Welcome to Perfectly Imperfect, a podcast on mental health for folks of color. I'm your host, John Zell Anderson, licensed professional counselor. I'm the owner of Panoramic Counseling, where I specialize in treating teens and young adults in Richmond, Virginia, and throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia through online counseling. Let's get into the show. All right, everyone. Today, we are in for a treat. I'm going to be interviewing Candace Lewis. She is the person behind MS Conversations with Candy. It is a really great podcast. Uh, I actually stumbled across it, um, I think, through social media at some point. And uh, for, for me, my own you know, family history and things like that. I don't have any linkages to uh, multiple sclerosis. Uh, but listening to that podcast, I've learned a lot about that particular uh, chronic illness through um, Candace's uh, podcast. So um, I'm excited to have her on the show today. We're going to be talking about kind of the overlap between chronic illness and mental health and kind of some of the the nuance to that. So, uh, Candace, introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. I sure will. Um, as you mentioned, my name is Candace Lewis, and I live in the Houston, Texas area, where it is uh, bright and it's a bright and sunny day here. Probably headed to the high eighties, which is nice. which is good for an October day, right? <laughs> yep, we're cloudy and, and rainy here in Virginia. Oh no, <laughs> oh no, and um, and also uh, I want to thank you, Johnzel, for listening to my podcast. My podcast is MS Conversations with Candy, and I just started the podcast um, back in. Uh, I actually launched it in March, which was MS Awareness Month, and um, and I know you and I have been in contact with each other through social media and email throughout this time because you've been one of my um, just staunch listeners from the beginning, and I want to thank you for that because you just mentioned you don't have any type of relationship or linkage to MS or multiple sclerosis, so I do thank you for listening so much to my podcast. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. I, um, I'm a lifelong learner. So if I can learn something new from a different perspective, I'm all I'm all for that. Um, but yeah, let's talk. I, I mean, I know I listen to your podcast. So I personally know a lot about your story and things like that. But for um, the listeners on my podcast, just talk a little bit about um, you know, what MS is and a little bit about your story of, you know, like when you got diagnosed and kind of how that journey has been kind of give us the cliff notes version. Okay, sure. Uh, so multiple sclerosis is a, um, it's an illness or a chronic disease of the central nervous system that is, that affects the spine as well as the brain. And uh, what it what happens is there is a um, a breakdown of the myelin sheath that are the nerves in the uh, over the nerves in the spinal cord or in uh, different areas of the brain. And so um, due to that, I do have um, several lesions. Uh, we call them lesions on my spine, and I do have a couple in my brain. Mm -hmm. And it just came as such a shock because um, leading into my story now, I was diagnosed 
with MS uh, when I was in my 50s. I was 52 when I was diagnosed, and I'm actually coming up on my three-year um, anniversary of the diagnosis. So mm-hmm. it was just such a shock. I um, before I when I the symptoms that led me to the doctor was that I just went numb one day. I was at work, uh, sitting at work in a meeting. And we got up to take a break. And as I stood up and started walking, I realized that my feet were um, were numb. And it was just a really hard feeling to describe to people. But it was just a numbing feeling in my feet. I could still feel the uh, floor as I walked, but I could definitely tell something was going on with my feet. And uh, when I got home that evening, I told my husband about it. And, you know, I wasn't really worried. I just figured, okay, this is just something weird that's going on and this will pass. Well, that was a Friday. And so by that Sunday, I was numb from my feet up to my knees. Wow. And so, yeah. And so that Monday uh, at work, well, I'm sorry, that Monday, morning, I uh, called my doctor and said, you know, listen, I need to come in. And so went to my primary care doctor and she started, you know, she ran a few, you know, just physical tests on me to see what was going on. And she thought this was some form of neuropathy. And she uh, sent me to the, uh, she asked me to make an appointment to see a neurologist. So by the time I got into the neurologist, I'm now numb all the way up to my torso area. Wow. And so uh, the neurologist, uh, you know, she just kind of started talking to me and she you know, did a few tests on me as well. And uh, she was uh, able to look at my chart and see that I had previously had a brain MRI done. And that's because I um, has have always suffered, not always, but, you know, in previous years suffered with vertigo. Mm-hmm. And I passed out one evening and my husband took me to the emergency room. And of course, they did a brain MRI. And, um, you know, they couldn't really, they didn't find anything significant, you know, just, oh, you have vertigo. And that was that. And so she showed me that there was an area in my brain on that MRI that is indicative of someone with an autoimmune disorder. And so she sent me to have more tests. And so I had to have another brain MRI and I had to have a spinal MRI. And from there, um, when she saw the results of the spinal MRI, she wanted me to go have a spinal tap. Once she told me I needed to have a spinal tap, I knew it was something serious. You know, I knew something was wrong. I just thought I was going to go into the doctor for this little bit of numbing that I felt, get a pill, it'll go away, and Mm -hmm. that would be that. So once uh, she said spinal tap, I, you know, I knew something was seriously wrong, had the spinal tap done, and uh, I don't know about your listeners or about yourself, but once I... um, you know, started uh, hearing, you know, that once I heard that I have a spinal, had to have a spinal tap, then I went into um, Google mode, you know, Mm -hmm. started Googling, you know, my symptoms, what could be wrong. Once the different... um, I think a lot of of us have done that. Oh, yeah. You know, I jokingly called myself a a Google doctor during that time. Mm -hmm. So once the results of my spinal tap started to come in on my online chart, I would literally, you know, copy the result and paste it into Google. And um, so by time saying all that to say, by time I went to the doctor for my diagnosis, I had a feeling that I had MS just from the research and the the Googling that I had done. Mm -hmm. And, um, and however, once she said it, it still stung, you know, it was like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you know, it was just kind of like, what, you know, so 
you know, we went through that and I was immediately sent, you know, for, you know, various steroid treatments and things like that. But I tell you, it, it knocked the wind out of me and it truly knocked me off my feet. I just could not believe that here I am, you know, a 52 year old woman, otherwise very healthy, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden being diagnosed with this, um, with this chronic illness. And um, although I have a wonderful support system, you know, my husband has was with me at that appointment and with all the appointments and and, you know, I have a village that supports me. It still just knocked me off my feet and it just sent me into a, a complete spiral downward. You know, that whole why me? How is this happening to me? And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a very, very sad um time for me you know it's I just kind of got in bed and didn't want to get up for days and days and days yeah and that's one of the main reasons I wanted to have you uh on the show today because you know with me being a therapist I've worked with a handful of clients who uh their you know mental illness kind of comes secondary to like a chronic condition whether it be like chronic pain or you know Mm -hmm. some sort of um you know medical diagnosis, right? And coping and dealing with it often can result uh, with a lot of people with, you know, health-related anxiety and, you know, with anxiety comes, you know, depression and things like that. And I know that you had mentioned, you know, right after the diagnosis, you kind of went into that spiral. Um, So to the extent that you're comfortable, share a little bit about kind of how, um, depression came up for you? Because I, I don't believe it was something that was there before the diagnosis. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Okay. It was not something that was there um, before the diagnosis. And again, it was just, a, it was just, I just felt very dark. You know, I, I did, I would just lay in bed. The only thing that kept me going is that I had to go to work. I did not take any time off of work. You know, I just mm. kept going as far as work was concerned. But it was just this constant feeling of dread and doom because you just don't know. At that time, I just didn't know what this diagnosis meant for me. Although the doctor assured me that, you know, the the type of uh, MS that I have was, and there's no cure. Let me start by saying that mm-hmm. there is no cure for MS. It's, it's also it's, an invisible illness, too. And, it's, and it's, it's invisible, and it looks differently in every single person. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but again, just having that diagnosis, you know, you, you, you visualize, you know, I visualize, you know, am I going to be in a wheelchair soon? Am I going to lose my mobility? Am I going to be have to, am I going to be bedridden? You know, because you do, you hear these stories, you read about these stories, and And I just, I just, I was just so sad. I was just sad for what I thought was going to become my quality of life or lack thereof. I was sad for what I thought my family would have to go through in taking care of me. I was just sad of what I thought MS would mean for me. And so how depression manifests with me was just, you know, on the weekends in bed, refusing to get out of bed, literal head uh, covers over my head, 
just not wanting to move. I just did not shades want to drawn move. like complete dark exactly. isolation. Yes, yes. Wow. Complete isolation and isolation to the point now not so much isolated from my family because you know they live here, but um I didn't tell people for a long time. Mm. You know, I didn't other than my immediate family, nobody knew and my boss because I had you know I had taken, you know, days off mm-hmm. for the various um um, treatment and for the, uh, you know, just the whole process of being diagnosed, you know, had to have MRIs done and spinal taps. So she knew, you know, kind of what was going on, but I didn't want people to know because I didn't want them to look at me any differently. I didn't want them to treat me any differently. But once I came home, it was just complete Mm -hmm. going inside of myself and probably thinking too much, if, if that even makes it makes uh, it any sense. But, you know, just my mind just constantly going, what does this mean? What am I going to do? You know, why is this? Really, it was just a why me? Why, why, mm-hmm. why? Why is this happening to me? Yeah. And I think you, you have mentioned being a, a Google physician, uh, yes. you know, in your as you're kind of getting these uh, preliminary tests and stuff like that done. I know... Anytime I've Googled symptoms of something, whether it be like, why does my dog have this rash or something? Mm-hmm. It always is like, oh, it's cancer. You're going to die. Yes. Like It yes. always goes to the, the dark. So uh, my guess is that as you're Googling, you know, you're copy and pasting from your online portal with these test results and stuff like that. You're not just going to the Google results isn't just going to be like, oh, this might be. MS, look, uh, talk to your doctor. No, it's going to tell you the worst of the worst about MS. And so what were some of those like, um, worst case scenarios that you were like pondering? I know you said like being, you know, bedridden or in a wheelchair, like what were some of those um, fears that were like circling through your mind at the time? Well, the, the, I would say the ultimate fear was death because mm. every every person that I have had ever heard of, well, mostly, not every person, but mostly every person I had heard of that had MS died, you know, from mm. complications of MS. And, and I had to later on learn, even from my doctor, that there are, you know, several forms of multiple sclerosis. And I have what's called relapsing remitting, which means, you know, my symptoms will go into remission. And then all of a sudden, you know, I will have a flare up. Mm -hmm. And I will also say that uh, science and medicine has come a long way since those visions (laughs) that I had in my head, right, of hearing people from back in the day who had MS and were bedridden and and, um, wheelchair bound all there, you know, ever since they had been diagnosed. You know, science has come a long way so that there are so many different types of treatments and medicines out there that, um, you know, will keep will they they pretty much prevent or decrease the amount of relapses that you have. So since I have been on treatment, I haven't had a a flare up in a long time, you know, in at least a year. That's at awesome. least, you know, so it's, it's, it's very, it's a very good time if there's any to be diagnosed with multiple sclerosis because, um, you know, medication and treatment has come a long way, but going back to the depression, you know, and, and, and Googling, um, before I even had the MS diagnosis, when I was just Googling symptoms, I thought I had bladder cancer. I thought I had, you know, varying forms of cancer, you know, cancer is out there and, it, you know, and there every part of your body can be, can 
um, yep. develop some form of cancer, right? So whatever symptom I would put in, it would ultimately lead to cancer. Mm-hmm. Or in, at one point when the doctor was talking to me about autoimmune diseases, I was thinking, no, she thought, no, we were, t- as she was testing, she threw out um, lupus. So I was mm-hmm. researching lupus. What does, what is lupus? What does that look like? What does that mean? And again, it's just never a good, you know, Google does not paint a good picture of anything. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start it's like a fire hose information, of information coming at you. It is. And it's, it's just, it's too much information. Although I did it, I would not recommend that anybody mm-hmm. does it. And I think we all know better, but as we start to develop these different symptoms, you know, we are, we're just in a, in an information society. We just want to know, we need to know, you know, so that's what Google does. It, it feeds us so much information, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to our health, Google is mostly bad. <laughs> yeah. That's why, um, you know, with kind of my circle of, you know, mental health and things that I do, I, I write a lot of articles. And I now have this podcast to have, you know, kind of more down to earth, real conversations about these types of things. Because, um, you know, I'll have uh, people who will call me wanting therapy, and they've just been in this like rabbit hole of, oh, you know, I'm just doing a free phone consultation Mm -hmm. with them. And all of a sudden, they're like, well, you know, I was looking it up, and I might have PTSD and this and that. Mm -hmm. And I'm just Mm -hmm. like, okay, let's just start with a conversation. Um, Because, you know, I I can't, you know, as a therapist, I can't compete with the, you know, there's no, there's no boundaries on the amount of information we have access to, right? Um, And so a lot of people... Um, you know, whether it be mental illness or physical illness, uh, a lot of people, when they, they notice something's wrong, they, they turn to these resources that, um, you know, it's, you're being flooded with information and that in and of itself sometimes can really worsen the symptoms. So, um, Absolutely. And and I'd also like to add, just kind of throw in there too, we have to be very careful, not only of, um, online resources, but of people, you Mm. know, you can tell, um, your story or you tell one of your friends or a family member, you know, grandma (laughs) about symptoms that you have. And, and, you know, as a society, we tend to diagnose one another too. Oh my goodness. I I hear it all the time. Oh yeah, girl, that happened to me. You have this. Oh, when I had, when that happened to me, oh, I had to do this. I had to do that. So, you know, so with all of this, you know, false and misinformation out there we just have to be so careful and make sure that we are talking to healthy medical people. professionals you know we can't just go out and just talk to our friends and let our friends diagnose us nor can we get on google and start this whole get in this rabbit hole of self-diagnosis mm-hmm. definitely and so yeah. kind of um continuing on there how how long did you stay in that you know, depressive cycle on those weekends after your diagnosis? I know you're three years, I think three years yeah. is in November, right? Three years, October 30th, at the okay. end of this month. Yeah, I'm not sure when this podcast will air. But yes, the October 30th will be three years that I was diagnosed. Mm-hmm. How long yeah. did that like depression go on for, for so you? The, you know, I have to say the depression went on and it wasn't long, you know, it probably was about 
three weeks to a month. And mm-hmm. I remember just waking up one day and saying, okay, this is what it is. This is what I have. Let's just do what we can do with it. You know, let's just make the best of it. Let's live your best life because mm-hmm. your life is not over. And I remember waking up, getting dressed for work. And before I left for work that day, I remember standing in the hallway in my house. I took a selfie and I posted it online saying, OK, pity party is over. Here we go. Time to live our best life. That's awesome. Time to live my best life. And I don't know, I can't say what it was, but it was just something in my mind just switched. You know, like, okay, I, I don't, was I just tired of laying there? I don't know. But something in my mind just, just, just switched and I knew it was time to make a difference. And I, um, soon after that, you know, maybe right around that time is when I went to my local MS society and, um, you know, just got a lot of, I received a lot of information. They gave me information on where I could find a self-help group. So I became part of a, a support group. And um, and I have to tell you, before that, um, you know, before I came out of my um, fog, I did go to a um, it was it's this group that offers yoga uh, twice a week at the MS Society. And when I walked in, I was in complete shock because no one in that yoga class who had MS looked like me. Um, I am a, you know, fairly young, middle-aged African-American woman. Mm-hmm. All of the women that were in there were, um, you know, significantly older than I am, or mm-hmm. as I was at that time. Every last one of them were um, receiving assistance to get out of their wheelchair or they were on some type of walker, you know, they had very, very limited mobility. Mm. And so, again, that just added to my, is this what I have to look forward to? You know, I just didn't know. Yes, it is. It is. And that's where I was starting to wonder, you know, what is going to be my quality of life? How is this going to manifest in me? Because that was the immediate vision I had before me. And so, again, thinking too much. This is my life. This is going to be my life. And um, so once that switch went off, I I called the lady who was a support group leader, had one conversation with her and was so delighted to hear that she too was an African-American woman in Mm her 50s, but she was diagnosed, you know, way earlier in her life, you know, in her 30s. And that actually, let me just add in that that the, the age range of being diagnosed with multiple multiple I was just about to ask that yeah it's like 19 to 40. Wow okay so you were behind the curve I was way (laughs) behind the curve and even my neurologist you know she did say that it's perhaps because um I I had symptoms even the vertigo that vertigo is one of my um one of my flare-ups if I get vertigo now now I know that's a part of my part Mm. of my MS. So I've had these symptoms living in me for years, but not until I went numb did I go to the doctor about it, you know, so there's that. But uh, once I started becoming involved with the support group, 
that is what changed my life and changed the trajectory on how I started to live my life with MS. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because of that group, and more importantly, that group leader, I became an MS activist. So I have traveled to our state capital, as well as to Washington, D.C., to become an activist for those of us who are living with MS and Mm -hmm. to be able to lobby conference, uh, lobby Congress and tell my story and for, and to listen to other individuals living with MS, tell their stories. It just really, really empowered me. And that's when I began to know this is okay. I'm going to be okay. You know, MS looks differently in me than it does in everyone else. And I am going to have a tremendous quality of life. And I continue to live my best life because of that. So I am no longer, you know, um, depressed about it. But I will say every day is not the perfect day. You know, Mm -hmm. I still have my days when I say, wow, I still can't believe this is me. I still cannot believe that I have MS. Mm -hmm. But it's a it's a quick fleeting thought. I don't spend every day or every waking moment of every day thinking about multiple sclerosis like I did at the beginning. Yeah. And you um, my next question was going to be some things that you you know, tried to, you know, help with that. And you answered a lot of them, like, um, you know, the support group, the yoga, you know, you, uh, you started doing all these things. And I think the thing that jumped out for me was the, the, the advocacy, the advocacy yes, part yes. is definitely, I can see that being like a medicine in a way, obviously, you took, you know, medicine and different things like mm-hmm. that, too. Um, yes. You talk about that on your uh, podcast, um, mm-hmm. which is it really interesting to me as a, you know, kind of novice to the topic, because it's interesting to hear, um, you know, all of the red tape that people go through, oh, like the mm-hmm. um, how insurance companies are, you know, they make you basically go through the least effective stuff because they yes. want to save money before you yes. can get the things that, you know, will actually work. And I think that, you know, because you went through that um, yes. and, you know, that advocacy piece um, and listeners, I highly recommend checking out um, Candace's <laughs> podcast. But that advocacy piece is so important because it's mm-hmm. it's basically saying you can't treat people like this. You know, you can't. That's right. You can't um, treat us like we're a, you know, science experiment that needs to be prodded and poked and do all of these, you know, um, things that may not be the best fit, you know, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. because it's it's suffering. It's 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 making people suffer unnecessarily. So. Um, I'm sure that, you know, you, when you go to DC or when you go to your state capital and you're advocating on this, that that's gotta be empowering because, um, at least from listening to your podcast, have, you know, there've been so many people that you've interviewed that have had to go through that. What's it called? Mm -hmm. Uh, step, um, step therapy, step therapy, therapy. Mm -hmm. explain that a little bit. Yeah, and you did a fantastic job um, explaining it. Um, It's exactly what you said. The insurance company, well, let me back up. Your doctor, once you meet with your doctor, you receive, you know, I'll speak personally. Once I met with my neurologist, she um, diagnosed me with MS, and she gave me three different medications, the name of three different medications that she wanted me to research and determine which would be better 
um, for me, which one I would like of those three. You know, she narrowed it down you know, to three. Mm-hmm. And so I did my research. And um, the, imp- the important part of that is, you know, just kind of look, have to look to see what the um, side effects that that was what was important to me, what the side effects mm-hmm. were going to be. Because that's big on and your quality of life, those side effects. It is, those side effects, as well as um your lifestyle you know some of the medications were you know taking you know that she recommended because and, and it's it's important to note that the medical professional of all of the uh treatments that were out there the medical professional narrowed it down to three that she felt would be most effective mm-hmm. for me that is the most important part and so then i took those three to see which of those three would best fit my lifestyle and then as you mentioned my you know ultimately my quality of life as it uh, dealt with uh, side effects and so i decided on one and I, I i did my research and i you know contacted her and said okay this is the one i'd like to get on and that one is um at the t- well, it's called ocrevus and mm-hmm. it's an it's an infusion that i would receive twice a year twice a year that's all you had to go into the doctor you know into the um to the um clinic the infusion clinic for uh you know every six months you get an infusion and the infusion lasts generally six hours and um and that would be it and and that's all you do until you it's time for you to come back in the next six months so we put that information in you know she submitted that information well the insurance company then says no no you have to start at um step one because this you have to do step therapy and so step one you can't hear me but my eyes are rolling at their logic (laughs) (laughs) exactly so not the medical professional but the insurance company those who are sitting behind a desk, mm-hmm. you know, are saying, no, you have to start at um, at step one. And so step one was a medicine is a medicine called Capaxone, where I would have to do uh, an, a, an injection. I would have to give myself shots three times a week. That's a huge shift in quality of life over twice a year infusions. Exactly. Of, you know, exactly. injecting yourself. Um, and let me tell you, those that's terrifying. It, it was terrifying. It was horrible. It hurt. And then it left big, huge lumps and bruises all over the injection site. Mm-hmm. And so you're supposed to rotate the injection site. And so by time, for example, I would get back around to my left arm, there would still be a hard lump in that area. And you had to, so, you know, basically inject in a, a spot of your body that's still damaged from exactly the first go round. Exactly. Round. And as I interview people on my podcast, some of them say they still have, you know, just tracks of failed skin, you know, failed areas of their body from, wow. from being on that medication. Well, I didn't I didn't do that medication long. I did it for maybe three weeks to a month and mm-hmm. I started having my husband take pictures of the site where it was still so red and bruised. And, um, and I even had one person tell me a medical person tell me if, if it's still so, um, such a big lump right there, that means that the medication is probably not even being absorbed into your stream, into your body. So, um, when I sent those pictures to my, um, my neurologist, she said, stop it. Don't take any more of that. And she um, advocated for me on my behalf 
thank God for her mm-hmm. and went immediately to to the to the high step where I could go go to Oprah's. I didn't have to go to step two, whatever that was. So um, that was good. So I did. I that advocacy is so important. And, you know, whether it, it be mental is. health or chronic illness, because a lot of these, you know, I'm a therapist. I, I don't uh, participate with, you know, insurance companies because there's a lot mm-hmm. of that red tape, too. Um, but, you know, your, you know, quality of life or lifestyle is definitely like being decided by someone who definitely is, you yes. know, sitting in a cubicle, yeah. um, you know, going by a policy that was written by somebody who's not directly dealing with what yes. you're dealing with. So I'm yes. glad that you were able to cut through that and get something. And it sounds like the Ocrevus is a good fit for you. It's still well, helping. It- it was a great fit for me. I ha- I am no longer on Ocrevus. I am on something else. As much as I loved Ocrevus, I loved only having to go in, you know, twice a year for that treatment. Unfortunately, um, I would have a, um, and they call it an infusion reaction mm. uh, whenever I would go in. So I would, where, like I told you, it would take, it's supposed to take five to six hours. Well, you would be there all day. Yeah. yeah, my body would start to react and um, it would affect my throat and my throat would start to close and they would have to stop the drip and restart it at much a, at a much slower rate. And so I would be there all day. And so um, but again, like I said earlier, you know, treatments have come a long way. Now I'm on a new medicine called Kesimpta mm-hmm. and um, and that's a once a month um and it, it, it's a once a month injection. It's nothing like that Capaxin. I just do an injection in my month, in my thigh mm-hmm. once a month. Doesn't leave There's welts no, or anything? No welts, no awesome. bruises, no bumps, just nothing. It's just literal. I, I can't, even after I um, give myself a shot, I can't even tell. When I go back and look at it 10 minutes later, I can't even tell exactly where the injection went in. Wow. So it's amazing. And I love it. And uh, you know, it, it shows up on my doorstep <laughs> every three weeks and and I'm ready. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's perfect and it fits with my with my lifestyle right now. Yeah. And, you know, I've I've shared this via email and stuff like that as we've talked about your podcast, but it takes a lot of, you know, courage and strength to kind of go through what you've been through. And I, I hear that through the stories of the people who you interview on your podcast and stuff. I personally have never had to inject myself with anything, but that, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, just hearing about the, the first one you were on where it was like every three days or something and the pain yes. and the, you know, just discomfort on top of, you know, the mental component of, okay, now mm-hmm. I need to adjust to having MS and I have to deal with these symptoms and I have to, you know, tell people about it and, you know, educate people, educate yourself. That's, yes. that's a lot to have to go through. So I'm, I'm so happy that you've kind of gotten to, you know, a place where you've got a good regiment going. And um, I know that your, your podcast is definitely providing a lot of hope to people who, um, you know, cause that, that Google spiral, you know, someone gets diagnosed. Yes. I hope they find you on Google before they find all of the doom and gloom stuff. So, yes. Um, and, and thank you for that because I have had people reach out to me. Uh, very recently I had a young lady reach out to me 
saying that she had just been diagnosed that day when she sent me that email and that she was horrified. She didn't know what to do. And um, now she had, I believe she said a father, her, I think it was a parent Mm -hmm. who um, has MS and she said has been um, pretty much immobile for the past few years. So she had that living with, yes. Absolutely terrifying. And so, you know, I just helped her kind of get some questions together for her doctor, you know, and just, you know, kind of send her back to her doctor with a list of questions of what to ask. And I told her I'm more than happy, you know, to help her along the way, you know, it, you know, during her MS journey, because at the beginning, it is very terrifying. You just Mm -hmm. don't know what to do, who to talk to. And to your point, I am so happy that Somehow she found my podcast and she found my information and was able to reach out to me. And I do hope that the um, interviews that I have on my podcast, that these interviews are helping people because it is it is a journey. It Mm -hmm. is a journey. And there are so many aspects of MS that can be applied to any chronic illness. So I have people who have reached out to me who don't have MS, but suffer from other things that, that they can still relate to a lot of the topics that we discuss. I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Because while I don't, you know, like I said, I don't know anybody with MS, but um, you know, I'm as a therapist, I work with people with chronic illnesses. And, um, you know, that that feeling of isolation. And I think from my, you know, profession of, you know, dealing with the mental health stuff, um, you kind of have to know, you have to be able to put yourself in someone's shoes and empathize with what that must be yeah. like the disruption of, you know, your quality of life and stuff like that to really, you know, for me as a therapist, it, it's important for me to be able to hear what it's like in the day-to-day life of people who are struggling with something that I've never had to deal with because then it gives me a different perspective of okay I'm not just going to go at it with here's your 10 steps on dealing with this depression it's a validating wow you are Mm -hmm. really going through it like that's got to be painful to have to you know inject yourself in all of that it's just um that's why I love podcasts. It's just, it's a way to learn and to, to grow. So I'm so happy that, um, you're, you know, you just launched in March. I think I launched mine in March too, and you've seen an impact. So, um, that is awesome. I'd normally ask people to kind of give, you know, where they can find the podcast and stuff like that. But, um, you have a website, so I'm going to be putting that, that website, um, into this episode show notes, um, okay. and, um, you know, any, anybody who's listening, if you want to find her podcast, it's MS conversations with candy, um, and pretty much anywhere that you can find a podcast, right? Absolutely. Yes. And yep. let me just say that that's candy with an I C A N D I. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, uh, and like you said, I am on, uh, you can find the podcast on your Apple podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can find, you listen to podcasts, I am there. Yep. All right. Well, (laughs) Candace, thank you so much for your time today. I'm uh, definitely looking forward to um, when the listeners get to hear this. And um, I did... Uh, I did an interview with you over on your podcast. I'll be sure to um, put that link on this episode as well so that people can check that out as well. Um, That would be amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And I hope that 
um, you enjoy the rest of your day. I know that you're an hour behind me, so um, you're yes. probably <laughs> we're about lunchtime um, right yep, uh, here, so you're getting ready. Uh, late morning here yeah yeah about to have lunch anyway so but thank you so much uh Jonzel, for having me on your podcast i look forward to collaborate collaborating with you uh on another project you take care all right you have a good day you too thank you if you enjoyed this episode you can support this podcast by buying me a coffee the link is in this episode's show notes thanks in advance Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast, and best of all, it's free. They offer creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor also distributes your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and many more. Did I mention that you can make money from your podcast no matter the size of your following? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.